Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. Tragically, some marriages suffer from real imbalance, and uh, they're doing everything they can to love well, but it's not working. There's only one party doing that. The other is cold as ice. What do you do then? I'm John Fuller, uh, joined by Greg and Aaron Smalley. And Aaron, you counsel a lot of couples, and I'm sure you often see this kind of situation where one person's giving and giving and giving, and the other is just not interested. Yes, or taking, taking, taking. Oh. And so there's there's dysfunction on both parts. And often the, the person who's giving, giving, giving will say, well, they're taking, taking, taking. But what I'll say often to them is, have you told them that? Have you spoken up? Use your voice hmm. to assert that this is not working for me. Otherwise, how do they know? I actually just looked up the definition of selfish. Self, I looked up selfishness first, but selfishness is the act of being selfish. Yeah. So selfish is lacking consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one, one's own personal profit or pleasure. And so if you find yourself consistently showing up like that, ugh, and we all show up like that in different seasons, but if this is a consistent pattern that you're recognizing, Go in and talk to someone mm-hmm. and, and figure out what's going on with me. What's driving this? What is leading me to show up like this? Most people don't think, you know what, I'm going to show up really selfish in my marriage. But what is leading me there? Yeah, that's good. I appreciate that. And uh, certainly Leslie Vernick has some great insights for you on this as well. She's an author and marriage counselor, and she talked about struggles like these with Focus President Jim Daly. You talk about in the book uh, how to act right when your spouse acts wrong, overcoming evil with good. How does that play out? And even that tends to work against our nature. That's exactly right, because Jesus tells us we have to do it because it's so opposite to our human nature. Mm. Our human nature means we want to retaliate. You know, I'm not going to let you get away with this. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You said something negative to me, I'm going to say something right back to you. You know, So we create this war with our spouse. And so one of the things I say is, that we need to learn to stop reacting. If we're going to learn how to act right when our spouse acts wrong, we need to learn to stop reacting and to start responding. And one of the ways that we need to learn to do that is to understand that our spouse is not our enemy. Our real enemy is Satan, and he wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy your spouse. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. And if you can keep that in mind and you understand the battle that you're going to face now, because you might have to fight in your marriage, but you're fighting for a much bigger cause than just getting your own way. Mm. You're fighting for a much bigger cause, and you have a different enemy. You're not fighting your spouse. You might be fighting for your spouse or for your marriage, but if you understand your enemy is out to get you, then you have a different response to that. And so one way we fight our enemy, when Satan wants to overcome us with evil, he wants to infect us with its poison. So when our spouse does something wrong to us, whether it's serious sin like adultery, addictions and abuse, the three A's I call them, or whether it's more of the garden variety sins of he forgot to call you and didn't come home on time or he you know, left his dirty clothes all over the floor, and you know, you're infected now with the opportunity or the temptation to become bitter, resentful, fearful, um, not trusting God. And how are you going to overcome that evil in your life? You're only going to overcome that with good. Mm. You don't overcome evil with more evil. You overcome it with good. It feels like at times it's a field full of vines that are about ankle high. And you're expected to run through this field and you trip and trip and trip. 
Why does it so easily ensnare us? We as Christians know the right things. We read all about it in Scripture. We know intellectually how to behave. But how come it it is so difficult to work that into our actions and our behavior? Let me tell you a story that God showed me with my daughter. We adopted a little girl from Korea when she was three months old, and she showed talent for the piano pretty young in age. So I signed her up for Suzuki piano lessons. And so I don't know if you know anything about Suzuki piano lessons, but the mother or the parent, whoever takes them, has to pay attention. You're not allowed to read magazines. You're not allowed to go to the store while the child's in piano lessons. So sort of the parent learns piano too. So for 13 years of piano lessons, once or twice a week, I would sit down on piano lessons. And I learned key signatures, timing, compositions, composers. I learned how to play piano with one hand, the other, all kinds of stuff. The only difference between Amanda's piano playing and mine is I can't actually play the piano. Hmm. I could teach piano, but I can't play the piano because I never took anything that we learned together week by week and put it into practice, Mm. you see. And so Jesus says the same thing. He says, you know, a student is not above his teacher, but anyone who wants to be like his teacher must put the things he's learning into practice. And so many people, I find, read a good book on marriage or sit in church week after week or go to Bible study or marriage enrichment classes or listen to the radio, and they think, those are great things. And they know it all up here, just like I know piano up here, but they actually can't do it because Mm. they've never put it into practice. The Apostle Paul says, train yourself to be godly. We can't try to be godly. We need to train ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so this book on how to act right when your spouse acts wrong is really a training book on how to learn to respond rightly when you're treated wrongly. And it goes broader than just your spouse. I mean, your neighbor can treat you wrong. Your child can treat you wrong. The, you know, principal can treat you wrong. Your boss can treat you wrong. Those are relationship principles that we are taught through scriptures. How do we overcome evil with good? How do we forgive when we're mistreated? How do we forbear? When do we confront? All those things that we are taught through the God's word, but we don't actually know how to do them. Uh, Leslie, you're saying something incredibly profound here, and I want all of us to catch it. And that is uh, we need to learn how to behave as Christians. And the gospels are full of that reprimand and that instruction to do that. And one of the things that is so sad is that the breakdown of marriage started 40 years ago, not just same-sex marriage and its threat to traditional marriage, but no-fault divorce and the way that marriage is now played out, even in the church with a divorce rate of 35%, 40%. That is really dishonoring to the Lord, isn't it? We're not practicing what we should be doing in our lives, are we? We're not. And let me go a step further, because those who think they're practicing it, they'll say to me in my office, I know, God says I have to stay married no matter what. But you know what I say to them? You know what? God actually calls you a much tougher commitment. He doesn't call you to stay married no matter what. He calls you to love no matter what. Mm. You're not loving, right? You're just keeping the rules. But your heart, Jesus said that was whitewashed tombs Mm. to the Pharisees. That is tough stuff here. It is tough stuff. But it's accurate. It's biblical. What you're saying is right on the mark. And uh, for us to throw in the towel because we don't like each other anymore. Right. I mean, so there's so many people who aren't legally divorced, but they're emotionally divorced. They're emotionally Mm. divorced. And so how do we, one of my motivations in this book was a man who came to me and he sat hunched over. I told about him in the first chapter, Marty. He's all despondent because he's gone to promise keepers. He's tried tough love. He's tried soft love. He's tried meeting his wife's needs. He's tried everything he can do to win his wife back over some offenses that he had done early in their marriage that she had never forgiven him for. And so he had jumped through 50 hoops trying to get her to forgive him and come back to the relationship. And she was still married because God says, I can't divorce, but I'm not giving you an inch. 
Mm-hmm. And so he had done all he could do. And so that was like, what book can I give him? He's read all the books. He's done all the things. He's d-. And so I said, Marty, nothing might be changing much in your marriage, but something indeed is changing in you. And God is using this suffering for a far greater purpose than you can imagine right now. He's teaching you how to be more like him. And that indeed is good, even if nothing good comes out of your marriage. And I think that's part of the hope that we have to encourage people who are in difficult marriages, that they can still be a great example to their children, to people in the church, of how do you love? And love isn't always just accommodating another person. Love sometimes is tough. But how do I love a person when they treat me wrong? How do I do that Jesus' way instead of just leaving the relationship? All right, Greg, let's go ahead and turn the tables just a bit and talk to those who maybe have settled into a rut in their marriage, um, not making any effort. It is what it is. I can't really improve this thing. Um, I'm in neutral and I don't care. That's kind of a dangerous place to be. It really is. When we begin to coast um, in our relationship, it can usher in lots of things. One is an unintended message that you're really not valuable. You're not worthy of, of pursuing. So I've, I've now given my attention to other new and exciting things. And, and so that person just feels devalued, but then that creates a disconnect as well, because just as humans, I mean, we're going to pursue things that that are new. We're going to pursue things that are different, exciting. And, and that's what we really have to guard against in our marriage. It's very easy just to get in that rut, get in that routine, you know, as the years go on and, and when that happens, then now we're disconnected. Now loneliness is going to set in. And that's a, that's a big, big problem within mm-hmm. so many marriages is that no one ever thought that loneliness and marriage could possibly go together. But we just know so many couples who feel so alone living under the same roof. And I think a lot of it stems from just really not protecting against just that natural coasting and routine and getting involved in other things. So I see it as an opportunity that we have to really be intentional about pursuit, pursuit of our spouse, recognizing that they are not the same person that they were even yesterday, Mm -hmm. and just developing the habit of curiosity of who are they today? What do they need today? What do they want today? What do they desire today? Just continuing to pursue who they really are, and, and in essence, John, really pursuing them in ways that speaks love to them. So a simple way is to have them answer the statement, I feel loved when you mm-hmm. dot, 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 yeah. and, and discover what is it that I'm doing that really causes you to feel loved? Just an easy, simple way to connect. Yeah, we had to have the conversation a few weeks back where Dina was like, well, I'll do this for you. And I just looked at her. I said, thank you, but that's you, not me. <laughs> that's, you would want me to do something for you. You're a service-oriented person. You love to do things for other people, but I need you to not do, but to be with me and just to listen to me and empathize a bit. Yes. which she can do. It's just at the moment, it didn't occur to her. Her natural default was, I'm going to do something for John. That'll, yeah. that'll help him out. You know, it's interesting what just came to mind is I remember when we were first married. I mean, I want to say this was like four years into our marriage. Greg came home and I always had the house cleaned when he got home. And I remember him coming home and saying, Aaron, if you're doing that for me, don't do it. I don't care. But today it's a much different story. Like now he cares a whole lot about the cleanliness and our dishes in the sink and 
things have changed. But unless I'm intentional about pursuing what's different, I would never know that. And that's why I like what you were saying about today, because we are ever-changing, and it's good. It's just a good reminder. If you haven't done it lately, go home tonight or uh, sit down with your spouse sometime in the next few days and just say, who are you today? Where, where are you at today? And it's not because I'm clueless. It's because I want to know. Mm-hmm. And um, you can certainly follow up with other resources that we have online. We've got question guides. We've got the marriage assessment, lots of different things. Um, Leslie Vernick's book would be a, a great book to go through as a couple, How to Act Right When Your Spouse Acts Wrong. Uh, we'll send that to you when you make a donation of any amount to Focus on the Family today. And it might be that you need to talk to a, a counselor. We have caring Christian counselors here. Donors make that service available to you for a, a phone call consultation. Um, give us a ring, and we'll set up a time for you to talk with one of them. It's 800-A-FAMILY, or we have further details in the show notes. Next time, you're going to hear about the importance of working together as a team in your marriage. And for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.